live. Live. It's been a long time, man. It has, yeah. Not really a long time. We speak like pretty much regular anyway, so. Oh yeah, absolutely. But but visual, like. Vi- yeah, yeah. It's, I mean, up until the other day, it's been two years. Yeah, two years. Two years, man. That long. That long. Mm. That's two years. <laughs> uh, two years go quick, man. It's crazy, especially when when we're into the kind of stuff that we're into. You can speak to someone after two years and three years, and you've just got a myriad of stuff to go straight back into it with. Hundred percent, which is a good stuff. It's not that you don't really have to do that almost useless ex- exchange of pleasantries. <laughs> the, the back and forth, you're like, oh, I found out this, I found out this, and you can have that conversation. I, I swear, the first time we met, we must have been talking from the first moment we kind of mentioned or, or hinted because you do approach it often very cautiously yeah you never go straight out and say this is how i feel because obviously it's it's a bit taboo but as soon as we kind of broke the ice in regard to that way of thinking it was an all-day thing wasn't it literally an all-day thing 100 start to finish do you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna tell you something right now that i probably didn't say at the time yeah. i had heard um there was a comment by someone that said that they worked with you um that you were into um i think uh f- things agendas and this that and the other that's how they made it out and uh, as soon as I heard that I thought I gotta meet this guy mm, mm. <laughs> and, and um, I think I was I think I was covering the store that you was at and uh, and then when I and when I I think I I heard you say something and I and I, I knew that was the point where I could I could say something as well mm, mm. and then as soon as I said that I'm sure that you know that was it that was like yeah absolutely and you 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 walk around in this complete state of alienation mm. all the time when you 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 know and it's 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 harder getting harder every day especially now with everything that's going on that you just you know something isn't right and you feel around you as well that a lot of people will you'll talk to them and they'll agree with it but they don't really want to go into it in any great detail for I don't know if that's fear of social stigma or they don't know enough about it or they just simply don't want it to be true they don't want it to exist in that way um but yeah as I said with you know meeting someone else like it, it is you can go from being complete strangers to essentially very very good friends in a short amount of time mm-hmm. um thank god for that a hundred percent um and literally as well so um it's it's probably one of the things like especially it's it's true what you say a lot of people don't want to say things about it um some people just want to shy away from it and just hope that it just disappears but i think that um what's happened now and what's happening in the world as well and how quick it's escalated is one of the reasons why it's hard to ignore now it's it's really hard i think there was a point where I was like, you know, I shouldn't really say that. I don't want to say that. But now I'm at that point where, nah, you know mm. what? Enough's mm. enough. Mm. You know, it's uh, enough is enough. You you have to say something or, yeah, you know. Yeah, I mean, you, you have that moment. I mean, it, for me, it was in uh, it was in college. Um, and when I was going through college, I, was, uh, I took music in college. Um, and going through into the second year, there was a really genuine and real lecturer there and he basically said look guys of everyone that's in here maybe one of you will actually make it in music um the rest of you might do some kind of uh music related jobs you might do lighting or you might do some kind of sound systems but none of you are really going to make it anywhere and it, for most people it's kind of like damn you know what i mean like that's that's pretty cold but 
for, for, for me, it was quite um, enlightening. So I started going, right, well, I'm not going to, I'm probably not going to get into music. Music has to stay as a hobby. It has to stay as just something to do as a pastime. Um, and of course you start looking around and thinking, right, what do I like? Oh, I want the, I want the adventure. I want that kind of thing. And I was looking into joining the army of the Marines from that and going through a lot of uh, foreign posts for the armed services and looking into their experience, you found out a lot of them were very, um, what's the word? They, they not necessarily that they regretted the experience, but they found out why they were there and the reason they, they went over there and the reason they're doing the things they're doing were not what they were led to believe when they signed up. So from that, lots of people kept mentioning 9-11, the, uh, the wars in Iraq and Afghanistan, the, the, you know, the, the push for oil. Um, and I went from having no notion of uh, any uh, maleficent intention from the government to suddenly thinking, what are they talking about, 9-11? You know, what are they, what are they, what's going on there? And this was thankfully a time when you could pop onto YouTube and you could type something in about 9-11 and it would come up. You would have just infinite resources at your disposal to, to research and find out these things. Um, long since gone those days. Um, and started watching these 9-11 videos and it wasn't the case of, hang on, there, there might be something here. I, I can see the angle. It was a full-blown case of, this is so in your face, it's hard to deny it. Um, if you were to stop at a single video or a single article, you could essentially say okay well there's there's coincidences there but there's only so many coincidences before coincidences just they don't work anymore they don't they don't fit the narrative the narrative doesn't fit um yeah i mean but going from that revelation that understanding going back to uh my college course and finishing that course and, and going into the classes and saying guys i found this out i found this out no one cares no one wants to know no one has any interest whatsoever and it felt that when they did, it was a passing kind of, oh, okay, okay, okay. Mm. And it, 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 to be honest, it absolutely breaks you down and when you feel that you have got something that's so important, more important than anything, especially when you're young, you know, you're like 16, 17, 18, you've got something more important than anything you've ever been presented or given the opportunity to present in your entire life. And no one wants to know. No one. Um, I would post stuff up on Facebook. You know, I put these great big sweeping things. And I was very much, I'm not going to ask people to look for the research. I'll bring the research to you. I'll, I'll give you the links. I'll give you the videos. Mm. Nothing. Yeah. No, no. Uh, one shouldn't judge oneself by the, the uh, dopamine cycle of likes and shares. But there was no anything on them. They were completely ignored. And then someone would post up a picture of a cup of tea and they get 50 likes and four shares. <laughs> and, uh, you know, how long, how long do you do that before? And I, I, to be honest, I think that has been a lot of people have had that curiosity. And at some point it's just been crushed because they've realized no one cares. And by talking this way, I'm making myself an outcast yeah. from society. I can't fit in. Um, and as I said, when we met each other, it was kind of like, I'm an outcast, you're an outcast, we can be outcasts together. We can have, you know, we can talk, we can uh, step around the sensor for once and actually talk about all this stuff that just gets bottled up. Yeah. Um, fantastic, yeah. So um, just going back, obviously you, you touched on the army um, and you touched on 9-11 a little bit. Um, what is your take on, on the army, the, the military? What was the sides that... Um, that you found out that um, didn't wasn't right. 
I think that we, particularly in the West, have this this view that we're the good guys. Do you know what I mean? We're told very, very early on that we live in the West, the wealthy West, and we live in democracy, and we are what everyone wants us to be. And it was uh, it's quite ironic because I would speak a lot with this. I, I, when I was working a um, recent job, I worked with a, um, a guy called Sean who came over from South Africa. Um, and we would get really deep into those conversations. We have these long night shifts where we're there till, you know, 10 p.m. at night and, and we, would ha- we wouldn't see any customers or have any interaction from about 6 p.m. onwards. So we'd have these four hours to just break down absolutely everything. And he summed it up pretty well. He's basically saying, I'm richer than I've ever been over here in England. Like I've got my iPhone, I've got my Nikes, I've got everything I want, I've got it. And I can work as many hours here as I want to and I can basically say that for anything. He's like, but I've never felt poorer. He's like, in South Africa, you know, you, you always live with that thing where you don't have anything, you don't really have money. And if you start having money or having those outward displays of wealth, you're normally robbed in no short amount of time. Um, but there is something else that is literally so uh, fulfilling that is the complete absence of, of money or materials. When you don't have it, you don't need it. Um, so yeah, I think um, to be honest, looking, looking into everything, looking into that how the how the army is, things like that, we led through all the films, through all the media to say, look, you are the good guys. You need to go out there because there's people that are that need your help. Um, you need to go out there. You need to save them. You need to fight the terrorists. You need to do all this kind of stuff, and it's just nonsense. It's absolute nonsense because these people, these countries, are far more ready, far more capable of uprising than we ever are in the uk you know we can see right now that we'll let a lot of stuff slide and we don't really have a notion of freedom or liberty or anything like that we just if if, if the system's working for us we'll stay with the system which is why you're saying with all these lockdowns we're getting people already who are bankers who you know who are statisticians and stuff in in london and they're happy to keep locking down because they can work from home indefinitely um it can just keep going and going and going while people who are in retail and these lower jobs are literally facing the complete extermination, not only of their current life, but their ongoing way of life. You know, we all have ambitions where we're going to start at the bottom and we're going to work our way up, work our way up. And that's what you're, you know, keep working your way up, working to management and things like that. And uh, the thing is that you, you, when you start at an entry level job, you're in a place where you don't really have much need for the money, but you also, you have more money and less wisdom than you'll actually ever need at that point in your life. So you're living with parents and you pay a minimal amount of rent if you pay rent at all when you get rid of the rest of your money on drink and God knows what else you do with it at that age. Um, And then you're in the job and then you meet someone and you perhaps marry or you have kids and you move in and your need for consistent money without a gamble increases and increases. So it gets to the point where that low-level retail job that you're in at like 16, 17, 18, you can't walk away from now because now you've got a family. Now you've got a kid on the way. And the gamble to go, right, well, I'm going to push my way up and make myself a manager or a regional manager or a CEO, it's a gamble that you have to be willing to, to take that the person that is going to judge you, give you those opportunities, is not a, a narcissist, a sociopath or any number of other one of those things that could shoot you down. Um, 
But yeah, I'd, uh, you, you'll get this a lot. I love a ramble. So I will start on one subject and, and cross over to other subjects as we go. Um, a little bit inadvertently, and I'll try and loop back. But yeah, I, I think, to be honest, with the with the army, we're, we're brought up to believe that we're the good guys. It only takes some very minor research to see that we're not the good guys. You only have to look at alternative, uh, more international media to see that we're not doing good work. We're not, I mean... Endless, endless amounts of resources. This is what gets me. It isn't there isn't an excuse in this day and age to be ignorant, even with the censorship of the uh, the media, even with the censorship of the internet. There is still so many resources to be found that you don't have the excuse to say I didn't know. Um, and I mean, thankfully, I'm, I'm so glad I found out before I joined because you know, going from being the uh, quiet uh militant uh, and outspoken atheists and, and preaching the gospels of uh Hitchens and Bertrand Russell um to believing in God in whatever form that would be to think that at 18 or 19 years old I had joined an institution and I had killed for somebody else's agenda and then I would have to live with that forever and how can you really do it to say oh I didn't know is is so yeah I mean no disrespect to any of our service men and women because they they go in the same with our police force they go in with really fantastic intentions a lot of the time they have a genuine desire for justice and good and to help out people and they're steered with that love that love is used against them to steer them in all different directions and what can you do man yeah what can you do man um i definitely hear you on that one um so if we go over to 9-11, um, obviously that was uh, a big deal. Um, I probably remember exactly where I was. I think that's probably one of the things. Um, I knew exactly where I was when it happened, which is probably the intention of mm. why why it happened. Um, just tell me a, a little bit about your thoughts, where you was when it happened, how did you come to know about what happened, and uh, can you give us a little bit of... Um, what of how what the outcome was of uh, that event and the the scars that they that have pretty much caused. Mm. So I remember I was in primary school at the time. Um, I think possibly in the final year, so it would have been a year year five or six, so around that ten to eleven years old at that time. Uh, and I remember coming home and my mum had the news on, uh, and she just summarized it as they've destroyed America. And I said, what do you mean they've destroyed America? And that, that wasn't any kind of, uh, of melodrama. That's just how my mum would say it. And she goes, oh, they've, they've blown up massive parts of America. And this is that time where, you know, for the first so many hours, no one really knew what happened. They know there had been an attack um, of sorts, but were there planes? Were there not planes? Were there missiles? Were there bombs? No one really knew. So she had just summarised it up. And for me, I, at, at 10 or 11, I had no notion of the significance of the of the twin towers of of really terrorism or or anything like that and oddly enough had no real desire to to look into that and pursue that um until considering joining the, joining the army and obviously when you as i said before when you're when you're looking at something that's that's so involved that carries so many weights you kind of tell yourself right i have to make sure you know i'm not i'm not going to work in tesco um, I'm going to maybe fight, maybe kill, maybe die. I need to make sure that I have planned this out correctly. 
and looking into that and and, and moving on to 9-11, that was when the, the spark was reignited to make sure you know, I mean, 9-11 is the moment. Uh, it's the, as, as much as there's been back and forthing for a long time and you had the, uh, the 1993 um, and you had Desert Storm, the Twin Towers falling was the penultimate moment when the whole world decided and they looked to uh, the Middle East as this great tyrannical terror that we had to go over and we had to stomp out and we had to destroy uh, with the Star Spangled Banner on our back. Um, it was, yeah, it, it had to be. For, for any soldier, for any uh, person thinking of joining the army or any armed forces, um, that was the moment that kind of changed so much of everything for everybody. So to not look into that was not really an option. Um, and I remember I, I, there were so many, uh, as I said, was a, a wealth of YouTube videos, but I remember I wanted to go back to that time when I walked in and mum said they've destroyed America. So I jumped onto eBay. Um, I bought the first eight hours of uh, the 9-11 news reports um, across six DVDs. And I just put one DVD in after the other, after the other, and just watched it from the beginning, completely uncut. It was the same news report. And I would go to a YouTube video and they would say, have you noticed this anomaly? So there's one, for example, when uh, the plane went into the first tower. You might have seen this. And on the other side of the tower, despite it being hundreds of thousands of pounds of reinforced, uh, uh, what's the word I'm trying to say? Um, reinforced steel. Reinforced, reinforced and pro uh, fireproof steel being hit by essentially a fiberglass nose cone. Somehow this plane managed to punch through the building and the nose cone, the, the most fragile pit of the aircraft, managed to penetrate out the other side. And on this video, on the the live news report, it instantly cut to black. And so they realise, oh, we, the, you know, the, the the whatever we've used, the CGI, the animation, that wasn't meant to come out the other side. That should have stopped midway through the building. <laughs> and I remember watching this YouTube uh, thinking, thinking, no way. No, but that surely they've edited that. That's taken out of context. That's that's a technical glitch. And I went over to the same news footage that I had on DVD, and there it was, the straight cut to black. So everything I was seeing was the same. I think this is a common misconception with people that like to throw the term around conspiracy theorist, um, created by the CIA in the seventies, uh, that we don't do research. You know that it is the the absence of intelligence uh, and the. Um, profiteering of ignorance that makes us just stupid that we don't get it you know we don't we haven't i don't know how many other people out of just a just a hobby just a pastime would have gone out of their way to buy eight hours of news footage and sat there and watched it and then cross-reference that to youtube videos that were making uh what would have otherwise seemed quite outlandish claims unless you had both of those pieces um and it never, ever stops. There is still a very, very good documentary on YouTube that you can still find called Loose Change. Uh, I think it's gone to Loose Change second edition now, which is where they, they basically rolled in all the information that was gathered even years after and made a final compendium of it. And it's the most fantastic watch on 9-11 that you could... And it would only take you probably about 20 minutes to half an hour of watching this yes. to see... And hear things that you just cannot believe could have happened. Things that, that, that you, it makes no sense whatsoever. Um, and I would very, very strongly advise if you're listening to, to hunt that down and have a watch and give it half an hour. Because all the things that you could be doing in half an hour, if you're, you know, whatever you're doing, it's worth half an hour to maybe uncover 
prior to all this COVID stuff, the single biggest act of domestic terrorism um, that ever, ever took place um, from 9-11. And I've been bringing this up a lot with my little arguments that I seem to be having on Twitter recently because the common context was, and my dad said this, my mum said this, everyone I spoke to in college would say this, they wouldn't do this. They couldn't do this. And back in the, I believe it was the 70s or 80s, I have to double check that there was a previously top secret and full-blown classified uh, military document called Operation Northwoods. And what Operation Northwoods was, was it was signed by pretty much every single military brass top commander all the way up to the present time, which was JFK, saying that the US wanted to invade Cuba. They needed a reason to invade Cuba, but the people did not support any kind of invasion. So what this uh, what this piece of um, uh, what this document basically said they should do they should dress up their American soldiers as Cuban soldiers and they should put them out on the streets and they should shoot uh, American citizens they should behead American citizens they should blow up American citizens they should knock down buildings they should crash planes into buildings they should blow up cars they should commit domestic terrorism flying the flag of Cuba. They should televise it. They should put it everywhere. And then they should say, look what the Cubans are doing to us. We need to go over there and squash it. And people go, well, they couldn't do it. That was planned. You know, that was, that was planned. That was signed off by f- anywhere between 50 and 100 military officials. Got all the way to JFK. And JFK saw that and said, not on your life will I sign that. And didn't. And it's ironic that how many months later that we all know the unfortunate demise of JFK. Could it have something to do with Operation Northwoods? Was he a president that said, I'm not really down for this kind of thing. Uh, I'm not going to toe the line. Um, for one reason or another, uh, he, he met that end. And I, I would basically surmise that Operation Northwoods and his refusal to lower himself to that level of uh, treason was probably one of the fundamental reasons that um, that he was dispatching the way he was. Um, but yeah, Loose Change 2, if you have the opportunity, absolutely watch it. All that kind of stuff that I've mentioned uh, is covered in there. Um, and so, so, so much more, endless amounts of information. Um, and you can, uh, as always, with anything that you're going to listen to, um, don't just take what we say. I say this to everyone. Don't take yep. what you're told. I don't advise that you take what the government tells you and you accept it. I don't advise that you take what myself or Chris tells you and you accept it. I advise you entertain the statements that we're saying, the resources that we're giving, and then you go and you cross-reference them yourself. You check them yourself. Because, again, when you do a little bit of research, you'll see it. Um, Loose Change 2, check out. 100%. um, I think Loose Change was probably one of the, I think, the biggest eye openers, um, especially when I remember um, going into nine eleven. Um, I think it was Rob Skiba. Um, I listened to a lot; very knowledgeable. Um, he uh, he touched on it, and I think this is when I was I was uh, he was doing a research um, on Nimrod actually, mm. and um, and then I think one of the you know. Obviously, algorithms on your on your YouTube, it'll pop up with another video, and it just happens to be nine eleven, and it rolled on by accident, and uh, and then um yeah, I'm listening to him on nine eleven, and I started to 
do a little bit more digging. I started to watch um, some videos. Uh, um, and then once I, I saw a loose change come up, yeah, that was it for me. I was like, wow. Mm. I, like, wow. <laughs> this is this is mad. Um, I Even the other day, just to... I mean, I've seen them before. Obviously, I've seen the the planes and the, the CGI planes. Um, but I, I did it for myself. And I'll probably say for anyone else to try it as well. Um, I got one of the videos. I screen recorded it um, of the of the plane going into the building. And then I myself, I played it, paused it, slowed it down and rolled it slowly. And you could see the CGI-ness mm, mm. of the plane going into the building where it, it just disappears. Yeah, there has to be, and there is right now with COVID, there there literally has to be the willful suspension of common sense. Um, I'm starting to lose all kinds of uh, a belief in common sense because it's, it's so far from common um, that you could quite quickly look up what the material of a you know, a Boeing 747-787 is made of. And all you'd have to do is do a quick Google search of what those twin towers look like before thousands and thousands of millions of tons of concrete was packed onto them. The steel infrastructure that was in those buildings was phenomenal. It would shred anything, any plane, any any vehicle that we have, it would shred it to pieces. And we're talking about one of those things. You know, you think you've had, uh, if we look at the the plane that, the plane, the plane that went down at the Pentagon, um, and we look at the official report. They said as that was coming down, it hit several lampposts, and those lampposts shredded the wings off, basically shredded the the, the the plane and turned it essentially just into the actual canopy, into a kind of uh, a missile into the side of the Pentagon. So if a lamppost can rip a plane to shreds, the wings, the much more sturdier part than the nose cone, how did the nose cone go through, as I said, millions of tonne of concrete, millions of pounds of, of reinforced fireproof steel that was actually designed uh, to withstand airplane strikes? So not many people know that, or less people know that than they should, that the steel and the building itself was designed specifically after the strike on the Empire State Building to take multiple impacts from aircraft. Um and still stand there. And again, they both took a singular impact, not even down the, the, the bottom of it, um, and still toppled in record time, which is they are, I believe, the first two towers in the entire history to have completely fallen from any kind of fire or any kind of impact like that, which is phenomenal. Which is pretty much why the, the emotional effect that it's, it has on people where I think everybody that's seen it can remember exactly where they was when, yeah. when they saw it. Yeah. And um, I think that's something that they achieved. Um, and uh, I'm, you know, I'm, I'll probably say I'm not one to say that, you know, I'm, I'm not happy about finding these things out because uh, we actually lost family in um, the events of 9-11. Um, we haven't seen them since. Um, and uh, yeah, we, you know, it's a really sad thing. A lot of people lost their lives. Um over this mm. um and then also not to mention as well um tower seven as well like of course and the yeah. b um well can we say that name the that network <laughs> there was a um a, a tv company very known well yep. known yep. um government known um that had uh the 
the Tower Seven. It was like a rehearsal of of when Tower Seven fell. Yeah, yeah absolutely. They, yeah, you had uh, you had obviously the the owner of the towers, Larry Silverstein himself, come out and said, "You know, you, but, I mean, picture this, if you will. You have a completely unannounced, unexpected, massive, massive uh, terrorist strike on your." country in the very early hours of the morning um norad uh, america's air defense air defense uh, service had completely stood down had no notion whether they were going for a drill or a live exercise at the time what was happening they were so confused that they didn't respond and again this is another case that 9-11 is, is a, it was a day of firsts not only were the towers the first ones in history to actually fall down and collapse but this was the first time in norad's entire existence protecting American skies that they had not intercepted, remedied, or at worst case, shot down uh, planes that were in their airspace. The, the first time in history, you know, uh, there's no one, if you think about it, there's no one that could actually fly a commercial plane anywhere near those buildings. Um, the, 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 the whole uh, skyline over there was restricted airspace. They shouldn't have been there in the first place. It should have been cut and dry. When no communication was made with those planes, they should have been shot down. Uh, they should have got nowhere near them. But yeah, you know, World Trade Center Seven falling at, at free fall speed with no resistance whatsoever. And if you watch that, as I'm sure Chris has watched and I've watched it, uh, if you watch that and you watch controlled demolition, and you look at maybe if you watch one, if you get a stopwatch on your phone or it comes with a stopwatch in the controlled demolition, you'll see there is a formula for buildings collapsing with no resistance. Uh, and, and and World Trade Center 7 was just the most perfect example of that because not only did it fall, it fell in its own footprint perfectly, <laughs> absolutely perfectly. And you could go, well, it was a coincidence. You could go, that that didn't, that, you know, that really didn't have much to do with anything. But Larry Silverstein himself was on the news on the day saying, we pulled the building. We gave the order to pull it. Pull it is a phrase in the destruction industry for rigging buildings with explosives and taking them down in a controlled demolition now they had this completely unexpected terrorist attack chaos everywhere everything going on and somehow they managed to get in that burning building to rig the entire place with uh demolition which is an activity that normally takes weeks and weeks and weeks to set up is a very very mathematical and technical process about six months right yeah yeah a massive massive process this is normally if you look at uh buildings being pulled down they've got a fair audience because it takes so long that people are told oh this big building's going to be pulled down in in two or three months so you know on this day come along so they got into a burning building with limited resources in massive chaos to set explosives to take a building down no i'm sorry if if, if as i said before it, it requires the absolute suspension of any kind of common sense whatsoever you, you have to intentionally deceive yourself to believe that that could have happened even on the even on the best of days mm. even on the best of days and it's um sadly that's something that we saw just really beginning with 9-11 um and and going into where we are now with the lockdowns and the covid the the mental gymnastics that we're seeing going on right now to justify some of the stuff that's happening as it was on the day is unbelievable it's um oh, it's is for people who not just people like ourselves who would like to say we know what's going on or we're probably a little bit closer to knowing what's going on for our research 
but for people that are just looking at it for the first time it's 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 is numbing it's it's literally numbing it's you have to switch off your faculties and simply allow yourself to just be fooled you have to i i don't know what it is i don't know what causes that i think it's uh people too fearful to break down that paradigm that they've created that worldview that they've created um for themselves i mean and and but that is such a fundamental part of life it's is is it's you essentially saying i don't want to ever be burned i never want to know fire is hot until you're caught in a fire do you know what i mean i, I mean i had that i had a uh, young age so i was waiting at a bus stop probably about 14 or 15 skinny little guy back then if, if i know if that's right now um as I was just standing there waiting to get the bus home, someone shouted, Oi! And I turned around and they smashed me straight in the face. Massive overhand punch. Um, and knocked my front, one of my front teeth clean out, including the root, uh, which is I've now got a nice black tooth there where it was dead. And I called the police and I was thinking, oh, the police are going to come. You know, only 14, 15, they're going to come. They're going to find this guy. And they turned up an hour late and said, are you okay, mate? And I went, yeah, I'm okay. And they went, oh, you should get to hospital. What we'll look into it for you. Didn't take anything from me, nothing at all. Went went to hospital. I had the tooth forcibly pushed back into my face, the whole tooth, um, and then got a call two days later saying, "Oh, we're not going to take any further action." And it was for me the preconceived notion I had that I could walk outside, that I could walk pretty much anywhere, and I would be safe, and that, that we had a police force that when these things did happen to the unfortunate few. They would be chased up and found and justice would be dealt out. It completely, it, it destroyed that worldview. But understandingly, that, that, is, that was one of the most important lessons and it came years later where I found that chap on Facebook, uh, the one who hit me, um, found out he was there that night because he went back all scrolled through his timeline until I saw him saying, oh yeah, I'm going out drinking this night down Hockley, the same place I got hit. And... The police said, if you find anything out, send it through to us. And I thought, do you know what? I'm not even going to do that. So I just sent him a message and I said, you know what? After you punched me, I had to go up to London. I had to go up to Whitechapel to have very, very painful um, dental work done several times. I was scared to cross the street. If I saw people on the other side of the street, I'd walk to the other side of the street. I wouldn't like people walking behind me. So I said, I, even though... I'm going to do nothing to you. I'm not going to tell you I'm going to get you. I'm not going to tell you I'm going to find you. I'm not going to do any kind of... I'm not going to play the big guy. I'm just going to let you know the damage that you're just one little drunken, I might hit this kid for no other reason, does to people. Um, would I have it taken back? Not at all. Not at all, because it, it was fundamental in understanding the world around you. And and 9-11 should have been that for so many people. Um but obviously, when people were confused, when people were in that learning state, perhaps that alpha state, when they could have absorbed and be open to information, the media jumped straight on it, straight on it and saying, yep, there were two planes, they flew in this way, terrorists, box cutters, this airport, these guys. You know, I mean, it came out and it is covered in loose change that of the, I can't remember exactly how many hijackers were, but we'll use a, a, a arbitrary number and say, for example, there were 15. Uh, it turned out that of that 15, 10 of them were still alive. You know, it turned out in, in, in the collapse of the building when the, the eight-ton Rolls-Royce 747 engines were destroyed, vaporised, that people were vaporised, luggage vaporised, they found the passport of one of the uh, terrorists just nestled amongst thousands of tonnes of crushed concrete, thermite and steel. Um, hmm. Ludicrous. 
<laughs> yeah. Um, I listen when when I heard that bit. I I I at that time I did say to people like you know, uh, how is that? And it's amazing how people don't even they 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 don't even switch on. They just don't mm. want to hear it, kind of thing. So I, I thought, right, let me leave it then. You know, that's what I mean. It's 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 not that they. I've struggled so much with this. It's not that they can't comprehend it because it, it doesn't. You know, paper burns in fire. It doesn't take any kind of uh, genius to work that out. It's that the consequence of accepting that reality is absolutely destructive to their entire notion of their life. And you can show them everything in the world. You could have these companies come on TV. You could have, uh, you know, you could have Larry Silverstein himself saying, "Yet, yeah, do you know what I did it or I had a hand in it?" You could have the government, you could have anyone come on TV and say, we did it. And they would still go, nah, because they can't, they can't accept it. It would mean too much of a change to their way of life. There's a, a, a quite a common uh, phrase that it's um, easier to fool someone than to convince them they've been fooled. Yeah. And it's, it's so, it's so true. It's so true. And not being funny, the, we, we don't, bring this information with the guys that you will, as I said, listen and be like, well, this person is right. You know, we don't, we wouldn't ask that you put it gullible, but it's presenting that and it's planting that seed in your mind that there might be something there. Um, and it's, you can lead a horse to water, as they say, you can't, you can't do any more than present them with that. And, and, and if people would give, as I said, 10 minutes, 10, 15 minutes, put a, get your phone, put the, put the stopwatch on and, and put, say, loose change two on and say, right, I am going to give this 15 minutes of my time and then I'm going to stop it. Whatever point, if at 15 minutes when the alarm goes off, I'm not even slightly captivated. I'm going to shut this down, I'm going to turn it off and I'm going to go back to doing whatever it was I was doing before this. The hardest, hardest, hardest thing is getting them to, to just sacrifice that 15 minutes to just watch one thing <laughs> that is the hardest part. True. Once that door's opened, it's a whole nother story. It's hard to stop once it's open because there are so many questions that all of us have so many gaps in these official stories and they are only satisfied with these videos. You're only presented with half the puzzle pieces and you have to be almost happy to only ever have half a story of anything. Um, and yeah, I mean, if you are again if you are listening watching uh, and, and you have that time you can dedicate that time if if you think of it as in units that you would be doing anything else i mean i have i have lost 15 minutes staring at the ceiling doing absolutely nothing and then come out of the reverie and and basically thought where have i been for 15 minutes if you could spare those 15 minutes to just give it a quick watch i guarantee you the first 5 10 15 minutes of loose change 2 will quickly end up you watching the entire documentary because some of the best and the most gaping errors and, and plot holes in that kind of agenda are shown in those those early stages. That's definitely one to watch, I have to say. Um, yeah, <laughs> like like I said before, it's one of the ones that just got me. And um, it, it yeah, it's a game changer out there, um, especially. And then I think it just starts, it's like... It just starts opening the box for everything. Pandora's box is what it's called, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It just opens up everything else. Like they all start falling into place, and it's great. Like many good films we've got coming out now, because it used to be the case in the very early days of me and Chris have said of 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 
buying individual DVDs or doing these things. It's got to the case now where there are entire films when they have skimmed the fat off them and they are bringing you just the good stuff. And all you've got to do is just sit there and be witness to it. You haven't got to go out. You haven't got to research. You haven't got to cross-reference. You haven't got to source. You haven't got to do all that kind of stuff that used to be done in the good old school days of, uh, of truth movements. It's all there presented to you, and it's presented in a way that you can understand. Um, but as I said, you need to give it that time. You need to give it that opportunity, and it's, um, it's, it's, it will change your life, but only for the better literally only for the better you'll you the, the person that you build your worldview on now the person that you think you are and your place in the world is just a shadow is is, is absolutely nothing it is i mean I, I always every probably every every year or 18 months i'll go back and i'll watch the image uh, the uh, the original matrix film because um it was so so spot on with what it was saying it was so spot on. I mean, I think even it gets to that point where Neo says to Morpheus, you know, why are you not waking everyone else up? And he says, after 30 years old, people can't deal with it. It, it, it. People have died when they've tried to pull them out of the matrix at a certain age because their worldview by 30 is built. It's established. It is their entire persona, their foundation, everything they are is built on what they have been told up to that point. Um, and do you know what? The, the, I could kind of say to people, do you know what? I understand it because I, I, apparently only around about 3% of Americans last year finished a book. Um, and most American high schoolers, the, uh, the even 20, 30 years after they've checked in, the last book they read was in when they were in high school and being made to do it. So I could understand if you said, look, I don't really read. I'm, I'm not that kind of, yeah, I'm not good at research. When it's, as I said, when it's presented to you in this really palatable, um, complete compendium, there's no excuse anymore to, to, to have that ignorance. There's no excuse to, to wear your chains and be trapped in that prison willingly when there is a better way of life. And, and, and it's just the start of, of everything. It's just, it is the, the, the foundation. It's, it's the, you know, you, you get those handcuffs off, you get those shackles off, and it opens your eyes to everything every single part of your life so not just how your government and how your police works and how your workplace works and how the economy works but what you put into your body how you deal with relationships how you raise your children how you treat people around you your worldview absolutely everything changes um and I, i've i've never once met anybody who has done this research and said you know what i wish i could go back i've never met one um despite all the the bouts you may face as a as a um, consequence of the alienation and the uh, dislocation from regular people, you never want to go back. You you almost you couldn't close your eyes again once they've been opened. Hundred percent, absolutely hundred um, percent. I think one of the things you touched on is uh, is films. Um, and before we go into this whole situation of what's going on at the moment right now, and I just wanted to get your thoughts on that as well. Um, have you seen? Obviously, you've seen the the trailer, um, Songbird. I've seen the trailer for Songbird. Okay, <laughs> I want to get your thoughts on on that trailer, and um, obviously, what is the um, in your in your view, what is the agenda um, behind releasing a film like that, which clearly is directed by Michael Bay, um, one of the biggest um, producers in Hollywood. Mm. Um, clearly, a big budget film. Um, um, couldn't have been filmed um, during the lockdown. 
Um, but is everything to do with lockdown? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so you're looking at minimum of two years. It would have had to have been in the making. Exactly. This is what I was saying when when uh, I think it's actually you who sent the trailer out to me, um, and I, I had to, when you sent it out, I was sure it had to be a parody. I was sure because it was obviously a, a, I don't know if it's a screen capture or you downloaded the video, so it didn't have any of the. It wasn't a link to YouTube or Twitter or any other video hosting site. I was sure that this had to be either a fan made film. This had to be something small scale, and I, I, I rushed from seeing that to YouTube to check it out, and it was absolutely mind blowing. Um, that I mean, very first and foremost, what. In, in, in an apparent pandemic, when hundreds of thousands of people are dying worldwide, where millions of people dying worldwide, even if we're going straight up official and it's all as they say it is, what a tactless and tasteless time to bring out a film about a global pandemic when people are dying around. I think, um, so if, you've, if any of you guys are listening, uh, check out the series on Netflix, Black Mirror. Uh, absolutely sensational series that has called... So much of this stuff, uh, so much of what's going on now is, is literally in those episodes. And it's probably the single best TV series that you can watch. You can jump to any episode and they're all different stories. So you don't have to go from the start to the end. You can jump in on whatever one takes your fancy. But there was um, bus stops now around London. Uh, and the bus stop is just a giant mirror. Um, and it says, uh, around the mirror, it says uh, Black Mirror Season 6. And obviously, the Black Mirror series is basically all about the um, encroaching of um, technology on our life and, and how it's not made it, making us better as a species, how it's taking away from us, from our relationships, from every part of our society. And the Black Mirror had just the, the mirror on the bus stop. So when you're looking at it and you're wearing your mask, it's basically saying that you are season six. You're in the dystopia now. You're in the episode. And Charlie Brooker, the guy who made that, got a little bit of flack for it. And they said, basically, why did you, are you suggesting that you're in, uh, that they're in a Black Mirror episode now? Um, and that's, that's a fair argument. But he basically came back and said, I'm not saying that. I wanted people to still know that Black Mirror season six was coming. But given what's going on right now, it was definitely not the time to start a another series of uh in a series of of basically dystopian um nightmarish kind of visions um and i don't see how i don't see who greenlit this movie i do not see that this would be allowed at this time and play you know outside of it being political that is the only way i could see this possibly being greenlit because even on the most basic human level it's just a massive slap in the face. It's, it's you know, oh, if I, I mean, I, I'm quite fortunate in that I haven't known anyone that's tested positive. Uh, I've had no family. I've had no family that knows anyone. I've had no of those people that know anyone. I know no one that's had any kind of COVID. And that's not saying to anyone listening that it, it isn't real. That's not saying it doesn't exist. That's not saying that it, there isn't um, cases about. But if I had and I had seen that movie, it would, just have instantly outraged me that someone is looking to to politicize um and make some money off of the fact that this is going on um but as as chris said one of my first instincts was how have they done this in what a year 
I mean, I, I had to jump on the Wikipedia page to check out, and they said that a lot of the actors they they trained them at home over Zoom. They did all the scripts over Zoom. They did everything over Zoom. And you think, but you didn't clear the city streets over Zoom. You didn't get all the uh, the soldiers in, the clothing in, the cameras in, the 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 permission in. You didn't get all this stuff done from a foundational level in a year. So we we I mean, not being funny, how long does a good script take? It's uh, what they're trying to say that they they made it this year. Yeah, yeah. So one line. So they said because people said, "Hang on, we're only in COVID since pretty much December. So how how has this come out? How have you done all this so quickly?" And they said, "Oh, we did it all less than a year. So we we hired all the actors. <laughs> we tra- a lot of the actors needed upskilling because some of them are guys that we haven't seen as much of. A lot of the actors needed upskilling, so they were upskilled over Zoom. They were trained over Zoom. Uh, all the shooting was done all in less than the space of a year. I'm looking at the trailer. The trailer wasn't done in a year. No, nah. do you know what I mean? The 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 not to to take down Michael Bay and all that, but not being funny in the middle of a of a of a pandemic." You managed to get all these, and and not being funny, there are going to be a lot more restrictions and a lot more permissions that need to be uh, granted to even make a film in this day and age. So for them to say it was it was all done, film recorded in in a, in a year or less than a year, is shocking. But not uh, uh, you left a. I'll have to fact check myself on this one, but I believe it's made by the same people that made the Purge. Yeah, and. Um I think uh, the purge. I think you, you've got um, what's it called, the president election one, mm-hmm. um, which is pretty much, um, pretty much based around what's going on right now, um, the civil war kind of thing with the election. The the, the purge. Oh, you know, if we we talk about the American elections, we'll be here forever at the moment. Um, I would definitely advise anyone who hasn't seen. Um, the first purge, I think it is, which was uh, ironically the fourth one. Um, who the, has the last one? The last yes, one. Yeah, who yes, hasn't seen yes. that? To to jump on it, I think it's on Netflix. It's on Amazon Prime. It's on one of those. But to jump on and have a look at it, because to say that they were just really, really um, switched on at finding all the uh, the, the the current social dilemmas and and the 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 fights that we find ourselves in and just rolled it all perfectly into that film is nonsense it is it is it shouldn't be the purge it should be black lives matter the movie um because that's what it is and there are just so many instances of baiting of politicizing of intentional division um and not being funny how does it help i mean i'm sure we'll get on to black lives matter but not being funny your main protagonist or one of your main protagonists in the uh in the whole defense of the purge the good guy what is he you know he's a he's a black guy muscle-bound drug dealing kingpin straight away so do you know what (laughs) i'm waiting for the role when there isn't some kind of um there isn't something like a caveat to it you know you can't just uh you can't just cast the black actor as just a, a guy, he's always got to have a caveat about him. He's always got to be uh, oppressed. He's always got to be a crime lord. He's always got to be a drug mm-hmm. dealer. He's always got to be a kingpin. He's always got to be a fu- he's always got to be something else. So white actors can play any number of roles, but black actors are always always typecast. Um, and that yeah, that movie was it. Uh, it could be an instruction manual for where we are right now. It could have been rolled out um, to get people riled up, and there was so much symbolism 
in there. So much symbolism. There were there were there were so many times. Um, for example, there was this one bit in the film when um, there's these. Uh, I mean, you've got these these white uh, rebel kind of like militia on the street just shooting everyone up. Uh, the guys come in, they shoot him, and he's his friend gets shot. On his shirt, he's got uh, the USA inside a pentagram. Um, oh gosh! And the uh, I, didn't even, I didn't even see. So that. he's looking down at him. He's got all blood over this pentagram. He's got USA on it. Um, and the main protagonist puts his hand on his friend's chest, and he covers the A. So he's got this dead black man on the floor with blood over it in a pentagram, and it just says us. And it was so obvious that they're saying, you know, uh, guys and girls, if you're watching at home, this is going to be us. We're going to be killed in the streets. And, of course, they had to wrap the pentagram around it just so you know that when you are killed, this is who's behind it. But, again, the, the people are not going to – you're not going to capture that. And from, you know, even from the whole uh, – isn't it funny that, the you know, the, uh, the, the main – uh, antagonist who was leading a lot of the uh, the clan members openly wearing their hoods was wearing the the Nazi armband and the Nazi outfit and all that kind of thing. It was just, uh, I mean, it, I I I I think the days of non politicized movies without agendas are far behind us. I don't know if anyone has seen the new Borat film. Um, I thought I'd watch it. I found the last one funny. Is you know it's kind of become a little bit of a a, a strange. Um, uh, a pride point of a lot of like comedy in the West, we find it you know it's, uh, hilarious. Uh, many of us grew up with it. The the new one was probably some of the the worst trash I've ever had the misfortune to sit through. It was political and nonsense from beginning to end. I was just blown away by how it could. It, it, it it's at this point where you you have to again suspend your disbelief that they could make a film this bad intentionally, this bad, and really. They're not making it bad. They're making it how they're told to make it. But yeah, do um, do watch the first purge. And it was, I think, the first purge came out in um, two thousand eighteen. I think it was. It's two thousand seventeen, two thousand eighteen. If you watch it right now, you will be absolutely appalled at how it is a mirror image of what's going on. Because obviously, as many films are these days, they're not there as commentary. They're there as premonition. So they are telling you this is coming down the pipeline. Um, and the good thing is that obviously if you watch the purge two years ago and where we are now, you, you don't really, you won't go back to that in your head and go, Oh, I remember the purge. I remember this happening. But if you watch it right now in 2020, seeing what they were say was going to happen and what is happening, you'll just be blown away by how disgusting it is. And, and to say that there was no prior knowledge, there was no discussion, there was no insight. Nonsense. No way. <laughs> do you know what? I, I might have to watch that again you know um, just for the symbolism I think it's one of them things that when you when you watch films now especially with uh, knowing what you know you can see that the, obviously there's a there's an, a message for let's say there's, there's a message for the 1% and then a dumbed down one for the 99 let's just say it like that um, I think one of the films that I saw the other day um, Demolition Man Demoli- I watched Demolition Man the other day. Oh, oh, like, is it? There were so many things in, in, that, in that one film. Yeah, yeah. There was a lot of things that I didn't see when I was younger. Yeah, yeah. Oh, 100%. It's, um, I mean, it, 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 it's a joy. Every time I go back and I watch films now, I'm absolutely shocked at the stuff I missed. 
Um, and it, it, it's reached a point now where I believe that there are referencing films that I don't get because I'm not meant to get. I mean, I, I, I went and watched V for Vendetta the other day again, um, probably the third or fourth time I've watched it. Um, after the after we went to the Masters March in London, it was I, I wanted to watch it before then to get a little bit of inspiration, but just couldn't get hold of a copy. Um, but in there, they've got their the, they call him the voice of London, uh, and he is essentially just Piers Morgan. Um, the the brash doesn't let anyone speak, goes on the radio, completely in love with his own visage, who toes a party line, and when they dig into him. He's got a massive, massive uh, background in um, essentially um, experimenting, eugenics, um, but he's got so many fingers into pharmaceuticals. He's a massive beneficiary of loads of pharmaceutical companies. Um, And it goes to show that, again, these films all come so many years before their time. Um, And again, I don't understand how I didn't pick this up the first time. So when I watch FIFA Vendetta and I looked up the Wikipedia page afterwards just to find out some odds and ends. It's set in 2027 and the whole country has uh, been brought under an authoritarian and dystopian rule after a massive outbreak and pandemic. Um, and it's just absolutely shocking how, how close it is, how spot on it is to what is happening right now. And they have the, uh, I think it's called the BTN in there, which is a, a typecast for the BBC. Um, but it's amazing if you go back how much we've been brought into the notion of pandemics, illnesses, uh, infections. I, I, you know what? I, I, it made suddenly so much sense while we've been completely overwhelmed with zombie films and zombie games for the last, what feels like 15 years. Um, the constant infection you know, don't get bitten. Don't go near the mouth. Uh, you can never scratch and get, but if you get bitten by a zombie, if it goes, if you get the blood in the mouth, that's when you get the infection. Um, and it makes so much sense now where we are. I was speaking to someone as well the other day and um, they was touching on on that, what you're saying there, but also like films like um, I Am Legend and um, what's mm. the other one? The Sandra Bullock one where they where they always look for the cure. Yep to save humankind yeah 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 Yeah, there's always you know and and that one was was it a a vaccine or something or it's i mean the 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 level of of films that are going on the level of series that are going on that are all exactly the same Uh, and you think i mean are they doing this because people like it or do people like it because they just keep churning it out do you know what i mean even if you don't like zombies eventually they're going to have some spin on zombies that's going to catch you um and uh, yeah, I mean, I, it, even so, if you've ever read the I Am Legend book, it's so different from the um, it's so different from the film in that the guy who does it is just a regular guy. He's a normal everyday guy, fairly overweight. No, uh, he's not a he's not a military vet. He's not uh, trained with guns. He's nobody, and that's part of the the desperation and the isolation and the the driving force behind the, the story is that he's just a regular guy who's trying to work out how to get out of this, how to fix things. Whereas we cut to Will Smith's character in the actual film. He's a a, a a cancer researcher, like a microbiologist. Like he knows everything about everything. He's down in the lab every day creating new strains. And, and not being funny, when when he finally captured 
one of the there's zombies in the film they're vampires in the book when he captures one of these creatures what does he do he brews up his concoction on a bunsen burner so many stages into a syringe into the arm injected um and there was an alternate ending um to uh i am legend um, and they didn't go with that one. So the alternate ending, I thought, was 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 movie commentary here, was so much better, was that when he found out that w- with the infected, um, when they were smashing down the door when he was right at the end, they basically seeded, and they gave him the chance to hand over um, what turned out to be the partner that he had captured and experimented on of one of the infected, handed her over, and they all walked away, showing that they had some kind of humanity. But they didn't go with that. They basically said, well, this is, a, this is a good ending. This is a fulfilling ending. This is a heartfelt ending. They went with the one where Will Smith finishes the vaccine. He finds a cure and he gives it to the, uh, the lady who's been with the whole time, sacrifices himself uh, and lets her get away with the, uh, with the cure because it's always got to be that it doesn't stop until there's a cure. Um, and every single zombie film has either been about escaping or curing. There's only those two things. You get out of it or you cure it. Um, very telling in how we are right now that we're locking down, locking down, locking down, locking down, removal of rights. And they're going to say, look, we've tried to escape the zombie film. You know, we've tried to get out, but we can't get out. So now we have to go to the vaccine as if those are the only two options uh, that are available. Um, but yeah, mo- movies are not movies anymore, man. They're, 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 they've, they've long since departed from being entertaining so if they ever were i mean at what at what point did it change as i said we can go back now and watch films that we haven't seen in a decade and we realize the agenda at play when we didn't when we first watched them so how long has this been going on for um i mean it's it's, it's shocking it's it, it could be i mean it could it could it have been as long as tv has been around it's been propaganda I would say that there was uh, definitely um, propaganda on radio for the, the very longest time. Um, and it's, it's shameless, really, to, 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 to believe that we could have gone from full-blown propaganda radio into film and they would have just stopped. They would have just not taken advantage of this new medium to spread the same message, but in a, in a much, much stronger way. 100%. 100%. Well, um, I believe that we kind of like running a little bit over time at the moment. Um, but before we we wrap up things, um, is there anything that you wanted to to go into specifically? Specifics. Um, I mean, there's there there's there is literally so much to cover that to glance over it very very quickly would not do any kind of justice to how it deserves what it deserves um but i would say to people listening again um keep your eyes on the alternate theories that are out there because if you i mean everyone in this country right now has this notion that something is not right something is not working and that we're being missled and not being funny what are we being kind of led to believe oh it's incompetence it's incompetence. i've always said this why do you think they have floppy-haired Boris and floppy-haired, ignorant Donald Trump as the leaders of these countries because they are the perfect personification of incompetence, of complacency. When stuff goes wrong in this country, people go, oh, Boris, he can't do anything right. 
And even Joe down the pub, drunken old Joe, can solve everything. He knows exactly how to fix it. And we do too. You know what I mean? We're all talking amongst ourselves going, oh, they don't need to do this. You've got the um, Great Barrington Declaration. Give us an alternative to the current lockdown situation. Every one of us knows that this isn't working. But because we don't have any other option, we have to accept it must be incompetence. It has to be incompetence because it's either it's all true and they're just messing stuff up or they're just all generally incompetent. All these Harvard, Oxford, uh, educated individuals with blazingly high IQs are all just incompetent. You know, the, the job that they built in, the, they're all complacent and can't manage it. All the scientists just keep making mistakes. Everybody just keeps making We don't know what we're doing. So I would say the answers are out there and you just have to seek them out. Um, head to, uh, if you can still find some stuff on YouTube. So YouTube, if I can just quickly plug maybe a couple of guys. So you've got Truth Stream Media on YouTube. You've got the scariest movie ever. You've got Days of Noah. Days is D-A-Y-Z of Noah. Um, and A Call for an Uprising. So check out some of those guys. Um, they are extensively going over that. Um, if you want a little bit more structured, less YouTube, you've got Talk Radio. Um, particularly, you've got Julia Hartley Brewer on Talk Radio, who is constantly, constantly challenging uh, the rhetoric on what's going on. And you've got doctors uh, Michael uh, Yeadon and Carl Hennigan, who are single-handedly kind of paving the way uh, in common sense. Um, Mike Yeadon particularly did, did a massive interview uh, with Anna Bruce. So if you go onto YouTube and do Mike Yeadon, Anna Bruce, you will get a 40-minute chat between the two. Uh, Mike Yeadon was the uh, former chief scientific advisor and R&D research advisor for Pfizer uh, for some 40 years. So the guys that have done their 90% vaccine, Mike Yeadon has had a massive hand in doing that. And he's already said the pandemic as we know it was finished and done with in June. Um, so just for the time being, there are some fantastic resources to just follow. Um, so check it out, have, have a listen and don't accept the holes don't accept the half story don't give everything that you are away don't give your your health away your liberty away your mental health away your finances your family your freedoms for half a story um do yourself just uh, justice with this treat yourself don't cheat yourself on it um do your research it's, it is worth its weight in gold um no more than now when you'll be absolutely sure that you're starting to fill in some of those gaps that no one else can do it for you um take the time to do it um, do you know what, right? Just before you go, because uh, there, there was something that just came to to, to the light um, for me. Um, obviously, you've um, heard of Aaron Walton, yeah, and uh, and what he's doing at the moment right now. Um, and um, he there was uh, there was a document that said that HCID um, actually declared that it wasn't. Um, I, don't, I can't remember the words of it, but it, this this pandemic wasn't um, a high. I can't remember the words like like a high risk um, yeah, yeah. virus. This was in March. Yeah, it's in writing. Mm. Um, what's your take on that? So I, I, I'm not sure if it was uh, for the agencies that when there's so many, you kind of lose track of who they are. But it was either Public Health England or it was a CDC that reduced the uh, rate of COVID down to basically a uh, 
not a, I can't remember the exact verbiage used, but a virus of, of much lower impact than they were stating. Um, the CDC originally said that 2.2 million people were going to die um, and then withdrew that. And there was no media coverage of the fact they withdrew that claim, completely taken about, reduced their estimate. There was no mention of that. Imperial College of London, which has done it every single time. This is when people were saying, follow the experts. So the Imperial College of London said that uh, I think it was they said about 500,000 people would die from foot and mouth, and in the end, it was around about 340. Um, they said thousands and thousands of thousands of people would die of swine flu again in the hundreds. Every estimate the Imperial College of London has ever made has been wrong, and yet we're told to trust them again and again. So it was, it was reduced. And again, if you do the digging, a lot of these guys who have used these, these projections, these scare tactics to condition us into accepting the next stage has now have that they've now officially retracted it but you don't hear about the retraction i mean all of us i'm sure can remember right in the beginning as i could where we were getting leaked footage cell phone footage from china with nurses screaming with with corridors of dead uh chinese residents in body bags sometimes they weren't even on gurneys anymore they were just left on the seating or they were left on the floor people being wrestled out of their homes and stuck into essentially mobile quarantine units of massive burning pits. People were dying on the roads, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. I mean, all... all, 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 Dropping down like flyers. Exactly. I mean, how much footage do we see of people just falling down? And people are standing around these people that just collapsed. I remember... I saw a specific, uh, specific video where a, a chap was in, a, he, was in he looked like he was maybe in a security role. So he was sitting in a, in, a, in a room by himself. There were lots of TV monitors around him. He made a massive kind of scream, a, a, a death rattle, fell down and appeared to be dead. And for ages, the media pushed this as, look what COVID is doing. Look what COVID is doing. And I went to find it the other day and I couldn't find it anywhere. I was digging for what must have been 15, 20 minutes because I thought, I, I want to find this. I want to find what happened to it. And eventually I found it. And it was basically an article that just said, this is just an old 2014 video of a guy having a grand mal seizure. Um, pushes COVID. So you think, but all those articles that, that did that stuff, gone, scrubbed. Yeah. So if you, um, I mean, I've, I've far too late, um, shamelessly for me, um, but I finally picked up 1984 by George Orwell and decided to actually give it a read. And it was so interesting that the main character, he works for a government institution called the Ministry of Truth. What the Ministry of Truth is, they decide what the truth is, but that's not only what's going forward, it's what's going back. So his sole job is to go back over articles and then delete information that no longer fits. So say, for example, as the government made a prediction that said half a million people will die from the pandemic, he goes back to these articles and he changes it. So it says 3,000 people will die from the pandemic. And every time someone in the future will look up that article, it says, government says 3,000 people will die from the pandemic. So the government is never wrong. So if they make wrong predictions or they finger the wrong individuals or, 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 any, or they do any crime, the Ministry of Truth goes back, fixes the error, so the government is always right. And again, in this story, you can't keep hard copies. It's illegal to take any writing down. So a big part of the story is the... Uh, main protagonist Winston he buys himself in a back alley a diary um, a notebook and he buys himself a pen both items are illegal you're not allowed to own you're not allowed to make any kind of notes any kind of records and he just uses this diary to 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 record his insanity and all the things that he's not allowed to say so but there are no records allowed to be kept um, of anything the government said it's all virtual 
So as soon as it's uh, it doesn't pan out as they said it was going to, it's gone back, it's edited, and if it can't be edited, it's deleted. And exactly the system we're in right now is that, I mean, you'll be the same, so I'll find a YouTube video. I think that's a fantastic resource. I'll save it to my favourites. I'll go back a month later, gone. YouTube channel deleted, video deleted. And I can go through my list now where I once had 200 videos. I've got about 50 because the channels have been struck off, the, the videos have been wiped off, everything has just gone. Um, the Ministry of Truth is at work as we speak every single day, changing the numbers, changing the figures. And it's got to the case where even if they go back and they change something, that they think, hang on. I mean, we're not at that stage right now where we can't make copies, but you better believe it's coming. Um, but where we are right now, while they can't just wipe it and call us all a liar, they're going to go back, they're going to change the numbers, as the CDC did, as ONS did, as uh, Public Health England did. Uh, and when you, uh, But there's no mention of it. So when they say, oh, it's not a, it's not a disease of any uh, significant merit or worry, where did you hear that on BBC? Where did you hear that anywhere? Nowhere. When the CDC dropped it down from 2.2 million to something like uh, 100,000 estimate, where did you hear that? Nowhere. And soon you won't even be able to look it up anymore. It's just going to be gone. Uh, I think the other day, actually just this week, um, it's been lobbied to all the big tech conglomerates that they are to remove any anti-vax, love that phrase, any anti-vax sentiment is to be scrubbed off the internet. Um, and people are putting up stuff from the British Journal of Medicine, from the Lancet, from the CDC, that is talking about the available information right now for vaccines, and it's being scrubbed. It's getting either being scrubbed or it's getting warnings placed on it. So when you're fact-checking government agencies that are duly reporting the numbers and Twitter is saying you can't post this. Facebook is saying you can't post this or warning you shouldn't be post this. Madness. And as I said, it's, it's going to get to the point where you're not going to be able to start saving copies of these things. You're not going to be able to start downloading copies of these things and they will be edited whenever they fancy. The the I would say for, if you're listening now and you've got those... Um, you've got those articles, you've got those videos, you've got those interviews, find a way to save them um, because there is going to become the time when th those uh, pieces of information are going to be worth their weight in gold um, and I would absolutely keep hold of copies so that you can keep educating people, keep informing people, keep illuminating people once they start taking this down. And I think um, definitely on phones as in uh where before you had the the covid you now got the covid health um uh app that the, the tracker app mm. which is which is updated on your phones everyone's phones yeah. um and now the the new ios has got the the medical health card yep so yep. it's got you know so i mean not being funny i mean I, I, we went into our local asda the other day and as soon as you go in, they've got a massive 60-inch TV hanging from the ceiling. Um, you walk in, it's obviously a standard CCTV setup, so you can see yourself uh, in the uh, footage. But something that was brand new as of about three months ago is as you walk in, if you're not wearing a mask, you get a little green square around your head. Yep. Probably seen it. Um, if you wear a mask, it doesn't happen. So first off, I've, and I looked online to find it, and I only found one article from last year that said... They're not, this isn't a face tracker. All it is, is that if you commit a crime, it helps the individual playing back the CCTV focus on your face. So it allows them to zoom in on your face. And you're thinking, 
But when I'm not wearing a mask, there's no, there's nothing around. So it's not looking for heads. It's looking for faces. And I was having this exact conversation with my partner earlier. People are on Snapchat. People are on Instagram. And they're taking picture after picture, particularly Snapchat. You've probably seen it in films. When they're trying to face map someone for some CGI, say Andy Serkis with, uh, with Gollum, they'll put all of the kind of dots on your face and they'll film your face and they'll make you smile and grimace and scream and shout, blink and wink. So when they capture it, it can be perfectly transcribed onto your CGI counterpart. What are people doing on Snapchat? You know, they're, they're getting a filter up and they're, they're opening their mouth, they're yawning, they're smiling, they're grinning. And what does Snapchat do? You get a new filter and it says, open your mouth or it says smile or it says, put your head down, put your head up, put your head to the side. So the whole time this is doing this, it's scanning your face. It's taking that data from your face. Because I'm thinking, right, I've walked into Asda now. I've never given my facial data to Asda. So they're tracking my face, but how are they going to know who I am? How are they going to know what that person they've got on that facial tracker is me? Um, and it's interesting to know as well that it seems uh, appropriate that, that, that when we got to coming up to COVID, probably the year before, these are the bane of my life. Every website you pop on now wants a GDPR. It wants your approval now. Uh, and if you ever go through those GDPRs now um, and you open the little tabs and you look through it, what it gives permission to, it gives permission to everything, literally everything. So you've got I mean, we all know we don't read terms and conditions, but imagine every single website you go on, you've got different terms and conditions. And all of these things can uh, have access to your camera, to your phone, to your pictures, all this stuff. And obviously, what do most people do? They say accept or manage settings. But when you click manage settings to go through and turn off the individual consents, it takes ages, it doesn't save, all this kind of stuff. Most people go on a website, GDP pops up, agree. And they crack on, GDPR, agree, 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 agree. So... We are willingly handing over so much of our face. I've said this about iPhones. Apple has more money than any single smartphone company. So years and years ago now, when the word was coming out of underscreen fingerprint scanners, people were going, well, Apple's going to be the first guy on that mark because they're Apple. And then you saw little 200-pound, 300-pound Android phones coming out with underscreen fingerprint scanners. And Apple said, we're not going to do it. And first of all, it's like, Apple, why didn't you do it? Why didn't you do an underscreen, underscreen fingerprint scanner when you took the home button away? And they said, oh, we tried, but we couldn't get it to work. And you go, well, your screen is made by Samsung. Your chip is made by Samsung. A lot of your phone is made by Samsung, and Samsung have got it on their 250-pound phones. So if you couldn't make it, you could have handed it over to Samsung to make it for you and implement it in your phones. But that's not the point. The point is Apple have done collecting fingerprints. Everyone that was ever going to use Touch ID that was going to use a fingerprint says use it. And the guys that were never going to use it, that's it. I mean, they've had them on, on their phones for, what, 10 years? And they've got 10 years of fingerprints. So now they're going, right, we don't want to give you the option anymore. Same with COVID. If you say to people, here's a fingerprint scanner, here's a facial scanner, people will go, I'll go with the fingerprint scanner. Because people don't like the idea of something looking at them constantly and scanning their face. But when Apple say, right, we're going to take that fingerprint scanner away. So if you want convenience, you want speed, you want speedy access to your banking, you now have to scan your face. How many thousands, millions of faces are they going to capture? Um, and I mean, you, you go from that, it's all the coincidence, you know, that Steve Jobs uh, and uh, uh, Steve Bolswick sold the first um, 
the first Apple computer for $666.66 because he likes repeating numbers in a Christian country where that number is specifically detailed. Um, he just thought that was the best repeating number he could have gone for. You've got the Apple on the back of the phone with the bite out of it. You've got an iPhone that's £999, but also $999 because inflation doesn't apparently exist when it comes to Apple products. Um, nonsense. If you, I mean, if you've got a smartphone now... Um, you need to be fully understanding of the fact that it is a resource that exists purely to collect everything about you that is you. It's there to collect your biometric data, your the way of uh, how you speak, your language, your verbiage. It's there to see who you speak to. Google Pay and Apple Pay now has the ability to track everything you do. And it is taking us into the digital currency that we'll be heading into. Um, hopefully we'll cover a bit more of that next time we uh, next time we get together. Definitely. And that is so interesting. And you know what? There's so much you could go into that. Um, but yeah, we, we definitely ran out, ran out of time. Um, it's been good talking, good catching up as well. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Sorry, guys, for uh, uh, rambling on. Uh, first first podcast with Chris. So hopefully... Uh, Next time I can be a bit more um, a bit more concise, but thank you. If, if you have taken the time to listen, um, thank you so much for doing so. People, um, we know how hard it is now in social media with that dopamine drive that if you don't get instant gratifications, if your video isn't 15 seconds or less, it's, just, it's most of the time it's an instant skip. So if you've managed to sit through this with this in the background, um, you're to be commended for having that patience and for your openness and your uh, desire to not just lay down and accept it. 100%. Thank you. That's good. We'll be back soon.